even looking at hiring trends right now and, and just the job market, it's all about the people now. People don't want to join the companies that only care about the bottom line. It's what else do I get as part of this company? What is the culture like? And that is reflective of everything. Everything is shifting towards the people-centric approach. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. My name is Sagi, and I'm the CEO and founder of Tonkin. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Patrick. Patrick is the Director of IT at WorkRise. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you. I appreciate the chat. Absolutely. You know, our listeners join us every week to listen about operations and in business and enterprise and the progress of technology for anyone that worked in an enterprise technology sometimes is synonym with IT and the IT department so I was excited to have you join us today would you mind spending a few minutes talking about your experience background and what was your interest in the field to begin with and how you view these roles today I've been in IT for over 20 years, and I got introduced to really computers back in my Commodore 64 days, if that dates me. The very first official job I had was fixing code for Y2K in, in the medical software industry back in the day. So more of the dating details there. For those that have seen the movie Office Space, I actually even drove a silver Corolla. So those will get that joke. <laughs> But it wasn't that bleak. You know, I even used to, back in, you know, school days, used to build my teacher's computers back in the day. So I always knew I was going to work in IT or or some kind of a branch thereof. I actually, you know, dabbled in, in a CS degree for a little bit. I was a computer science major, but then I shifted things and went completely differently and went towards the IT generalist type of role. So I worked at the University of Texas for several years in different departments, starting from the bottom. You know, I used to work at the help desk, just like any IT person out there answering phones and then just kind of moved up through the ranks. And my first job that I got actually in IT management was hiking to Machu Picchu, of all things. So that was that was a fun experience there. Moving forward a few years, you know, I've stuck around the Austin area ever since. And so what I've done is I've sort of built a little bit of a niche of working with technology companies here in Austin and really modernizing and improving their IT. So I work for the company Workrise. We are a fairly large company. You can look up the details on it. The company is growing very rapidly. It's a, it's one of the late stage hyper growth type of startups. So there are a lot of issues when it comes to IT. And that's when they reached out to me and brought me on board to try to fix a lot of those issues. The way that I like to really look at IT is kind of a different way. And we can get into that maybe a little bit later if you'd like. I try to have a holistic vision of what is going on and take this people first and cloud-based kind of approach to IT, which is very different from your old legacy type of environment. That's, that's kind of my background. That's what, that's what I'm here to do. And, and that's what I've been doing for the past um, quite a few years now. <laughs> I would definitely want to hear about the, the Machu Picchu story at one point. You know, what stood up for me when even going to your profile in LinkedIn and mentioning that people first IT, I think, you know, digital transformation and in general, like high growth or environments or even more traditional environments, trying to, you know, squeeze technology into it. And, and transform it. I'm a big believer in 
people first and how all the notion and motion today is not people first. It's, it's more of like system first, data first, company ROI versus individuals ROI. This is fascinating to me, as you can understand. But tell me more in your mind when you say people first, what does that actually translate to? The way I say it is more of the modern approach to IT. So if you think about it, for those that have seen Saturday Night Live, when you think about the, the typical IT guy, it's the guy that comes in, or it doesn't have to be a guy, obviously, but that's what it was called. It was the IT guy. He would come in, the angry person, just kind of, all right, get out of my way, let me fix this, and then get, you know, get back. And that's not IT in my eyes. You know, the people-first approach can also be addressed differently. It's not just addressing the customer, but the people are also us, our own department, and how we handle the intra or intercompany, internal company communications processes and, and all of our project work. When you look at it, it's kind of applying the agile approach to IT. When you think about project management, agile, the idea behind it is to look at the customer first. It's to provide a result quickly and then iterate on it and improve it every single time. That's kind of the same way that you can look at the people first approach. It's trying to really focus on your individual. So be it either your, your actual users, which are going to be your customers or your internal people where, you know, I've worked at a few companies within here in Austin where I've learned the companies that care about their employees are the ones that really do well. So making sure that your team, that your processes are happy and working well, it just makes sure that the that that everything winds up working as this, you know, as this machine, but nobody thinks they're a part of a machine. They're they're really addressing their needs. They're making sure that things work. And it's not necessarily about the bottom line. It's about keeping the team happy and keeping the customer happy. And then the bottom bottom line shows up regardless. It's looking at what can I deliver to make my customer happy and build processes so that I don't have to do those manual tasks constantly. You know, one of the things I like to add on most of my job descriptions that I post when I build the teams is if you like to automate the, all the things, this is the job for you, right? If you can automate most of those tedious processes, you eliminate that those negative aspects of IT because nobody wants to sit there and literally do the same thing over and over and over again. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, that means that that thing can be automated. So why are you why are you doing that? Why not spend a little bit of extra time so that you don't have to do it? And guess what? In, in the long term, you'll be happier. And then the, the results will just you know speak for themselves. That's the promise of technology, right? At the end of the yeah. day, right? <laughs> It's that leverage on the things that we don't like to do and getting more of the, of our own time. You mentioned the Southern life you know, type of IT persona character. Well, I think that's definitely is sort of like the comic version of it. I think a lot of folks that have worked in IT or folks that worked with IT in the last decade or, or, or two also have that notion of sometimes there's this tension between the two, you know, the sort of the business, which like you said, are the customers, in IT. And what I found interesting is that I'm I'm coming from a technical background myself, you know, in, in software engineering. 
And what's interesting to me is when I talk to a lot of CIOs and I talk to a lot of business leaders, both sides actually understand at their core, they're trying to solve two different, sometimes two different problems. What I mean by that is the business just want to move fast, right? They just want to just want to get to the point quicker. And you mentioned, you know, a company you're currently at is a high growth company, and there's a lot of IT issues or, you know, sometimes tears that comes from, you know, sort of like growing fast, right? And so a lot of time IT find themselves in that protector type of, of role of trying to make sure, okay, how do I enable the business to continue to move fast, but without creating an environment in which we're going to pay for later, you know, with a lot of issues, whether it's compliance, security, or whether it's literally just the essence of building things at scale. I love your agile example. How do you think we move away from shadow IT, God forbid, you know, type of concepts to something that is that there's a clear bridge between the two and something that actually work in a more symbiotic way? Shadow IT and and the siloed work that really comes from most startups, right? So when you, when you join a startup, you'll realize that one of the biggest problems is work is being done within individual teams without proper communication across, right? So what happens is you have teams even sometimes creating a separate IT to manage certain individuals' applications outside of IT because those are particular to that, you know, to that group. What happens then is that that siloed work is being done that sometimes duplicates other people's work or negates other people's work. There's, there's a lot of ways to address it, right? In an ideal world, you would build a company out from the proper IT foundations where everything is centralized, where everything is managed by IT, and IT is kind of the gatekeeper to make sure that, that we are following best security practices, you know, the IT general controls, that, that we're doing all the things right. That's just not how the real world works. The best way to kind of address this shadow IT part is to implement processes, implement policies to get visibility across all those silos, to get visibility across all those different teams and what is being done. You know, one of the first things that I've done at most of the companies that I've worked at is implement processes to get visibility into all of the software that's being utilized within the business. And most people don't realize that there might be hundreds of SaaS applications that others don't know about, right? That's step one. Step two is taking control of those applications so that the IT, the technical individuals can actually own them and properly integrate them within other parts of the business. Because what happens is you might have somebody working on, you know, Zendesk or some kind of an HRIS system without realizing how does that tie into everything else we have? Because they don't have that, you know, they might be focused within that HRIS system. They might just understand it, but they don't understand how does the API infrastructure work and how can we utilize it so that we can implement proper onboarding and offboarding processes within the rest of our systems, right? And that's when IT can step in and help. And so those are the next steps is you iterate on that and you find out, okay, we're getting all the systems underneath one umbrella. All right, we're starting to implement the automations. We're, we have to look at solutions that help us do all of those things. And actually, Tonkin's one of the products, this middleware solution that can come in and connect those dots and connect the work being done in one silo and then another and have IT as that centralized location 
to properly manage all of that and implement those, those actual processes and, and change management and everything else that enables the whole company to grow. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. When you think about that relationship between the systems and actually, you know, the processes and how this, you take that silo approach, which is natural, right? Because people, you know, within their perspective work, they have their own goals and OKRs and things they're trying to achieve. If I go back to your point about Agile and trying to kind of, what can we learn from how Agile improved or what's possible in, you know, sort of the, the product engineering world. I think that the, the value of Agile is somewhat known now. And, you know, for those maybe who don't know, you know, allow that fast iteration, the faster time to value, but also the, the quick feedback from your users really brings back at the end of it, a much higher quality product because you had that faster iterations. But to enable it, it was more than just, that methodology existed since the 50s, I think, and really sort of like became something in the beginning of, of 2000 and then became extremely common in 2010s. There's another thing that became extremely common in the 2010s, which is the cloud. And so in a way, delivery, you know, it's really hard to do agile development on building a house because at the end of the day, you know, you have to ship the house full you can ship you know one room at a time um, so the cloud really helped that i think the the shadow it is is the great example of how everyone agree on the concept of empowering the business but when you don't have the right architecture or the right methodology you end up with you know people going and connecting systems with their personal user and then they leave the company and there's like you know digital dead bodies everywhere and risk that is unmanaged and so on. And then you have that weird relationship between you let a little bit loose and then you need to be more strict than you, you know, originally wanted to be and back and forth and back and forth. I talked with a lot of operation and business users. How from IT perspective, what is the best ideal scenario of that relationship of, you know, how much is too much empowerment to the business? How much is too much being in control or being a bottleneck. How do people need to think about that balance? It's really a fine line, to be honest, and it varies from system to system. This is why in some cases you have to have individual teams that focus on even within IT, right? You might have like a business systems team, you might have an enterprise systems team, you might have support, you might have some other you know, teams that, that kind of manage their own different solutions and systems. And they might have different approaches to it. Generally speaking, empowering the user and using that people-first approach is the key. It's finding that sweet spot where everybody can have those admin rights so they can do whatever they need to do. But then you have to be able to have some type of a control on the back end. And to your point, the, the cloud really has enabled that because you can provide proper 
permissions within different environments, but still maintain the backend control in some way. One of the things I'm, I'm seeing just from even just the very basic corporate kind of IT world is that there tends to be a kind of a shift towards the, the Mac OS rather than Windows. And the big reason for it is that the Linux based environment is the fact that you can manage those devices as a root user on the back end, right? But still give the user full admin permission so they can do whatever they need to, but you can still control that device. And there are certain platforms like, you know, Kanji, Jamf, and, and, and you know, that actually allow you to do all those things and make it really simple. And that's, that's kind of the key is finding that sweet spot. And again, it varies from system to system. And one of the big important things to do is to, to have discussions within those teams as to what do you need and understanding your, your environment as well as culture. You know, some companies, it's, it's the culture that kind of stops because there might be some legal or, or other reasons as to why we don't want to do something, right? I've had even friends of mine reach out to me and have discussions with their IT departments as to, hey, this is how we should do things. Why, why are we not allowing our users to do this? Can you talk to Patrick and, and see how he did it? <laughs> So there's, there's ways to enable users and using certain technologies like cloud, like machine learning in certain SIM different solutions that you can pull in the, you know, the data and certain machine learning and AI functions that can be tied to those systems can help you protect your environment and at the same time provide that freedom that the users need and the teams need. Another trend, you know, I've started to see, and I kind of wonder if you guys are doing this already or what your thought about it, is that concept of center of excellence type of model, uh, which the way I translate it, and I don't know if it's accurate, but to me, there's, there's this path in which, and this connects to everything you mentioned, even with that root example, in where you really want the sort of the top professionals which in majority of cases, especially when it comes to business applications and so on, are going to be IT. You want them to really be the architects rather than the implementers. Because what looks mundane to an architect, it's actually extremely liberating for a business user, which is non-technical. That implementation of like, what is the exact business logic that I want here? What is the exact type of, how do I want that uh, dashboard to look? You know, Things that are very much simple, mundane for, for an architect level person are actually very liberating for an individual that they don't need to be relying on someone technical to do. But this has to happen in tandem with having a professional, again, architect, quote unquote, or like an enterprise architect that can set that stage and say, okay, this is how things should operate on the macro level. And then you can handle the, the micro of your own environment. What's your thought about it? I wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely. This is why you have fine-grained, fine-tuned controls within applications and systems, right? One of the first steps of reeling in that shadow IT is provide admin access to a certain IT account so they can take ownership of it. But then you have a business owner of that application and you have that team that once IT sets it up, connects it to all the different systems you need and has that macro view and, and control of it, then that, to your point, tuning those, those fine dials is not really up to that team unless it's their full-time job. 
And that's that's not really it. Most IT teams manage hundreds of applications and they're not going to be the experts in, in that one particular one. And, and you want to be able to give that steering wheel to that team, to those users, so they can actually drive the car. You just want to make sure that the car actually works, right? <laughs> it's almost like, you know, in the driving uh, schools, we have for the passenger seat, there's also a brake. Yeah, uh, exactly. That today, at least when I grew up, you know, that they had that option. You want them to drive, but then you always want to have the option to break. And I think it's important for business leaders you know, to also understand that it is in IT core desire to enable the business to do that. They need to have those breaks because that's their job. Their yeah. job is to make sure that the car doesn't crash, no matter who's driving. If it's someone that's at their first driving lesson or it's, you know, if they've been doing it for a bit. Well, that's a great analogy. I, I totally agree with that. You know, so we talk about digital transformation, you know, been talking about it for at least a couple of decades, if not more. What do you think the next version of it look like? I've been saying for a long time that digital transformation is not a thing. It's almost like a path of innovation that you can you can bucket into digital transformation. It's going to be a lot of waves is my point. It's not just one and done. It's just waves of digital transformation. Before personal computers, you know, my dad is a private accountant. He didn't have computers. And then for him, digital transformation, the first time was literally just putting computers in the office. And then obviously, right now it's laughable because a lot of people right now think about digital transformation as moving to the cloud, right? But that's also going to be laughable, you know, soon enough. What do you think is the next, if you had to guess? It, it's hard for me to, to honestly guess. The cloud itself you know, was was obviously a huge shift. And, you know, outside of the internet, I didn't really see it immediately coming and, and that everything was going to shift that way. I always thought, you know, the cloud is somebody else's computer. So somebody's going to have to, you know, manage those computers, which they do, but that's not the whole function of everything that's going on, right? From my eyes, what I kind of talked about earlier is, is I think really machine learning and AI are going to play a key role in expediting a lot of the digital transformation. There are certain platforms that I've already used where different actions were part of that machine learning aspect, right? So you have certain security systems that, you know, at a very basic level might see a user logging in from one location and then five minutes later, they log in from a location a hundred miles away, something's wrong and they immediately take action, right? Just, just very basic things like that. They're going to really exponentially change. We're at a stage where computing and processing is just shifting tremendously. I mean, just even self-driving cars, you know, the fact that they're processing images so quickly and acting so quickly, it's just, just mind-blowing. And I think that's going to be how all of computing will work. You know, we might get to a point where only a small handful of individuals actually do the coding on the back end. You know, IT will be more of a non-coding type of function because all of the coding will be built into your particular platform. If I had to guess, if you look further down the line, who knows? Quantum computing, uh, I don't know, Skylink take over everything? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, more people first, more smarter, I guess, technology to kind of try to summarize the AI piece of it. More, more empowerment for the people. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, even looking at hiring trends right now and, and just the job market, it's all about the people now. People don't want to join the companies that only care about the bottom line. It's what else do I get 
as part of this company? What is the culture like? And that is reflective of everything. Everything is shifting towards that people-centric approach. That sounds promising future. I'm excited. Patrick, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm sure people have more thoughts and ideas and comments. Where can someone reach out to you if, if they want to chat? You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Patrick Danielewski or P. Danielewski on LinkedIn. You can see my entire work history and chat with me that way. I try not to use Twitter. And then the other social media platforms are way too personal on my end. So from the work, from the work perspective, you can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much, Patrick. Thank everyone for listening. I appreciate it. I had a great, great time talking. Have a good one. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 